What if we changed the way we looked at spiritual doubts and times where we face great darkness? What if we instead decided that this was what faith is supposed to look like all along, a series of spiritual growing pains? You are listening to episode 124 with Paul Cardall, and he is going to talk about how he faced his own series of spiritual growing pains and what you can do to face your own in a way that you grow instead of falter. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I am here to teach you how to take back your life and dare to progress towards bettering yourself, honing your gifts, and using them for good in the world. Listen in to be inspired by others who are walking the same path of self-improvement paired with self-love, and to be a part of a community that knows life is about progress, not perfection. All right, I have to start this episode with a huge thank you. Thank you so much for listening to last week's episode about how I navigated my faith crises for sharing it both personally with friends and on social media and for connecting with me in ways I never expected. I have been completely overwhelmed and blown away by the kindness and open-heartedness I have received. I have been sent hundreds of direct messages, emails, texts, phone calls, so many ways that people are telling me that they needed that episode in their life, whether they have ever struggled with their faith or not. And I have especially heard of people passing this on to those who they thought needed it or other leaders in their life. My gratitude is immense. I knew I was supposed to share that episode. It was really hard for me to do it, but it did not leave me alone in my mind for months. So I have you to thank for giving me the power and strength to do it. Now I have a special guest today who is acting as a bonus episode to continue this conversation. If you are not a member of My Faith, The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, do not fret. I think this conversation will still apply to you. But if not, next week we'll be back to our regular schedule of a podcast on self-development. and. We're going to change the podcast a lot, actually, in the coming year, and I'll be sharing more about that soon. A uh, quick little heads up, if you are interested in joining my progress program, which is small group growth coaching for women, now is the time to send in your application. The doors for acceptance were closed for a while and they'll still be closed for another week. But if you put in your application now, you'll be first in line to get the spot you want. It has been so remarkable. I am loving coaching and I think the women who are participating already are learning so much. I'll be sharing some little recordings of some coachings I've been doing so you can see what it's like. And if you want to know more, you could always reach out to me and schedule a half hour free coaching session so you can get a feel of if this is even right for you. To inquire about those free sessions, you can direct message me at About Progress on Instagram or Facebook, or you can always email me at packerprogress at gmail.com. If you want to apply, you can find that on my website aboutprogress.com and click on 
progress program. All right, so today's episode, like I said, is with Paul Cardall. I'm going to, when I introduce him, I'll share the story of why he even came on the show for the third time. And if you are interested in the past episodes I've done with Paul, I have linked to those in my show notes and you can find those on my website aboutprogress.com. After this episode, there will be another episode aired, a Q&A and a conversation with my husband about what it was like for him and how he supported me, what he struggled with, and we're also going to answer the questions you sent in on Instagram. Again, I thank you so much and I love you and I hope that you also love these bonus episodes related to this faith crisis. And if not, keep checking back because there's more to come. Well, I have Paul Cardall here, and the way he got to be on this bonus episode is I reached out to him and asked for permission to use his music as part of my episode on Faith Crisis, and he kindly said yes, and I'm happy to talk about this topic as well. And I had to read it (laughs) like five times to understand what he was offering And it was to share his own struggles on this topic. And I would love for you, Paul, to now, you know, speak up here and and share what is it that you were wanting to say about this topic? Why you even volunteered yourself um, to talk about people struggling with their faith? Well, I first appreciate you using my music. Music is such a powerful, powerful a weapon for good, and um, I think it helps us feel things we can't always access. I think the faith crisis phrase is circulated quite a bit, and we call it a crisis, but I don't necessarily think it's a crisis. I think it's growing pains. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is something I've experienced, and I think. I think if you don't experience a faith crisis, you're not really seeking to know God. Wow, yeah. Um, because because growing pain, you know, if you remember when you're a kid and you start stretching and mm-hmm. you're you're growing, and then you're like, Mom, what is this sightache? Mm-hmm. I don't like this. Why am I? And it's the growing pains of growing taller. And I think we have those spiritually where we're confronted with moments where we're confused and hopeless and doubting. We have doubt and and we're depressed and it's as though we want all of the outside pressures telling us how to live to go away. We want to forge out our own identity, our own character. We don't want to be defined by the culture around us. We want to be defined by who we are on the inside. And so this is why I think it's extremely healthy to have um, a faith crisis. And I think it's an ongoing struggle for a lot of people that actually is a positive because you're questioning, you're seeking, and you're trying to find understanding. And for me personally, as I become more troubled in the world, I see the number of people worshiping according to their own conscience, and they have such respect for the way they're doing it. And in the Christian faith, we have hundreds of denominations. I don't think we're divided by, hey, this is your faith, my faith, you know. I think everyone 
generally within the Christian faith, believes in Jesus Christ, but every different organization, church, what have you, tends to package it and deliver it a different way. Um, and for me, I always go back to the New Testament where Peter struggled. Yeah. He struggled. He was with the Lord all the time. He knew the Savior personally. He traveled with the other men who were very strong. And one of the things we discount, you and I talked about, about this earlier, there were very strong, powerful women that were there as well. Mary Magdalene, Mary, Martha, all these, uh, Tabitha, all these women that were amidst all this stuff. And, and they probably at the same time also experienced different things, which is why they wanted to be around Jesus. We know that Peter doubted. We know that after Christ had gone through what he had gone through, the guys decided to go fishing instead of doing what God asked them to do. Yeah. And this was just right after the most historical moment of all eternity, Jesus offering himself up. And what do the guys do? They, they, they distract because they don't, they're depressed. They want to get away from it. They want to go back to doing what they were doing. And then of course the Lord appears to them and reminds them who they are. And I think periodically for me personally, the Lord reminds me who I am in my own identity and I feel his love and it's so unconditional that I know he's going to lead me where I need to be, where he wants me to be, rather than where somebody else may want me to be. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's an ongoing thing. I think one thing that's very healthy that I heard from uh, somebody that I respect quite a bit, his name's Terrell Gibbons. Yeah. His wife, Fiona. Mm -hmm. His wife, Fiona, wrote one of the best books I've ever read called um, A God Who Weeps, and they also wrote A Crucible of Doubt, mm -hmm. talking about the importance of doubting so that you can cut through all the clutter and get to mm -hmm. really what you believe. He talks about how we imagine you're sitting at a desk and you've got all these ideas that have to do with the way you were raised, your church that you belong to. You have all these ideas, and then you have the scriptures. And so it's like you want to just clear everything off the table, clear everything off the table, and then just open up your heart with a piece of paper and start listing what it is you believe. Hmm. And then go to the scriptures and look for the scriptures that deal with that belief to confirm in the word of God that it coincides. And I think God will lead you in that. And, and, and if you, you know, I, I remember doing this and I wrote down, you know, I believe this, this, and this. Well, so I went to the scriptures and I found that I believed a portion of that principle, but I didn't fully understand it. And the scriptures actually corrected me. So I had to sit and say, okay, my belief is a little off 
uh, in comparison to Paul the Apostle who said this and this. So then I have to redirect myself and say, you know, Paul was an apostle. He saw the Lord. I haven't seen the Lord. They had a good relationship. He, you know, gave his life. I haven't given my life. He was martyred. I haven't been martyred. I think I'm going to trust Paul. So then it helped me reevaluate that belief. I and then I, I waited on I waited on it and then it sunk in and I got a testimony of that principle. Um, you know, I grew up in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm a participating member of that church. My wife is a Catholic. We go to Mass together. She comes with me to my church. I've heard people say, well, you're not equally yoked because you belong to two different denominations. Oh. But we are equally yoked because we believe in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we know who he is. Hmm. And we might not have what some in my faith call an, an eternal marriage. But, you know, sometimes I refer to it as temple insurance. <laughs> but 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 what we do have is we are working towards a very beautiful relationship with the Savior as the glue to bind us now. And, you know, I have that hope that one day it'll be eternal. But I don't think that's for me to judge or to speculate or to worry about. Because I know the devil would want to put a lot of pressure on me and say, oh, you don't have this, so, you know, you're going to end up with this. And it seems like there's this ongoing deal or no deal mm-hmm. that he likes to inflict upon us. Like, well, you can't believe this because of this. Yes. You can't do this because of that. So it's that internal struggle of just really defining core beliefs of who you are and who you want to be pain and not so much a faith crisis, but an ongoing thing that we experience these growing pains. And I wanted to know for you, um, when was the first time you were experiencing these quote unquote growing pains? And for you, what helped as you worked through it? And how did you come to this idea of it being that that is what faith is? It's this ongoing series of growing pains instead of it being a crisis that then pushed you um, outside of maybe where you would have been? Well, before I answer that, I want to clarify that I feel that if you're raising children together, you should attend the same faith and, and be part of the same faith because it creates contention otherwise. But because I'm in a second marriage, um, I know my children are being raised um the way their mother wants them to be raised mm-hmm. and the way I, su- I support and want that to be. So I don't think yeah. anyone should just marry somebody that's not of your same um, tradition. And I think that you can overcome those. Um, we have a very, very, very strong relationship. And I like the fact that she's um, challenges me on my faith and challenges me and I challenge her and we have that. I think it makes us stronger. Um, I started having challenges after receiving a heart transplant mm-hmm. uh, nine years ago. 
I underwent the most dramatic experience because I was told by doctors I would not survive if I got a heart transplant, but they were going to risk it and do it anyways. I survived. Mm -hmm. I felt so close to God, excuse me, during that experience that when I came through on the other side, my cardiologist looked at me like I was Lazarus. (laughs) Wow. And and so my first, she could not believe I was alive, Uh, but my (laughs) surgeon was, did a miraculous job. So, you know, I, I joked, I said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to go right to Lazarus. Yeah. I'm going to say, hey, buddy, how many firesides did you have to give as a result <laughs> of your miracle? And and that's exactly what happened to me. I started to spread myself in, speaking at church, and mm-hmm. I, I, everyone wanted to know the story. And <clears throat> I spread myself thin trying to save the world because Jesus had rescued me and saved me. He pretty much raised me from the dead. I should have died. And it's it, it orchestrated this beautiful miracle. Well, then I, this overwhelming darkness came over me, and I felt like one of the nine lepers. Mm-hmm. I wanted to thank the Savior, and I thought by doing all this other stuff, they would thank him. But I didn't feel like it was enough, and I started to really beat myself up that I wasn't perfect. I wasn't living perfect. I had, you know, I had some real rage. I felt bad about you know, a bad word I said, or, or going this or that, whatever. Mm-hmm. I just felt bad about myself, like he'd restored me. Why am I not, you know, doing everything I want to do and be who I want to be? And um, so I got into this huge depression, huge depression, and my marriage did fall apart. Yeah. And it was... So it was just a very dark, dark period, and I didn't understand what was happening. And even even today, I look back and I'm like, I think I was just, I was I was learning to live again after being faced with death for 36 years. Because mm-hmm. for the first time in my life, I realized, oh, I could actually grow old. Mm-hmm. And I'd never planned for that. And so in regards to my faith, I started to wonder... Uh, A couple of things, but this was in the midst of the depression. I had friends that were waiting for hearts that didn't survive. And I had people say, well, because you're, you know, a celebrity in Utah, you got your transplant and they didn't because they can't afford it or this. And I was being accused of all kinds of weird things. Oh, wow. And I I was fighting to try to help my friends survive, but they they passed away. I went to Mm. a lot of funerals for kids born with congenital heart disease. It was really hard for me to give, give, give. Uh, and I felt like I was bearing the burdens of so many wonderful people. Um, so yeah, I just got into a dark place and I started questioning the savior. Like, why did you save me? Mm-hmm. And I, and I actually began to get kind of mad at it. Yeah. Like why, why I don't understand why you would save me. And so I feel like I knew him going through that process, but I also felt some anger in my heart that I didn't have a choice, but I did. And so it's one of those catch-22s, like, what's going on, trying to figure it all out. Well, uh, what started to happen was I met Tina, who became my wife, and um, she's challenged me on everything, not doctrine, but in 
character and in teaching me that you don't need to be driven. You need to be led. Hmm. You need to trust God and let go of things that don't matter. You don't need to paddle upstream. You need to let the Lord carry you where he wants to take you. And so it became this overwhelming sense of trust with Christ rather than he expects me to do this and this and this. And I actually just saw a quote from Mother Teresa. It says, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to try. Mm-hmm. Because Christ said, be perfect. And, you know, we, we tend to, you know, in the Utah culture, plant that in our mind, like, oh, if we don't do this or this or this or And everybody online looks like they're having this amazing life. Mm -hmm. Everyone is battling something. Everyone is a David and there's a Goliath in our lives. And it's different for everybody. But obviously, you just like I didn't want to surrender and give up and die waiting for my heart. I wanted to survive and prove that Jesus continues to heal people. And so that was kind of the essence of it. But then afterwards, afterwards, um, just in this relationship with my wife, and you know, I'm being very open and very personal, attending um, a variety of churches actually made me more conscious of what I truly did believe. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the more I read the Bible, the more convicted I was that the Book of Mormon is so valuable. And whether somebody says it's true or not, for me, it helps me fall in love with Jesus that much more. And it makes me appreciate him so much more. So the Bible gives me this incredible understanding of his life and the conviction of the men who followed him and the women who cherished him and helped him and comforted him that you know what the women did for him the men had they couldn't do it they were off fishing mary and those other women would have sat there and and helped him and and they would have never gone fishing and so and so i think for me personally it was a matter of letting the lord rule my life, becoming, as Paul says, a slave to Christ, um, instead of trying to be one of his servants, I just want to be more like him. Yeah. Well, that seems like a really important distinction. So what does that, what does this look like then as you, you've been through that big growing pain and you've said this is, you know, an ongoing thing for you as you navigate that now, why do you stick with your Mormon faith? Where else am I supposed to go to get what I get out of that faith? Um, This is something Peter said to the Savior when the Savior said, who do men say that I am? Peter said, you're the Christ. And then he said, will you also leave me? Because people were leaving him and abandoning him. The crowd abandoned him. 
he was feeling alone and depressed and, and in his suffering said to Peter, are you also going to leave me? And Peter said, where am I supposed to go? You have the words of eternal life. And I love what I hear and feel. You can feel the spirit of God in any church. But what happens during the week and the community, I see the fruits of God's spirit in the community. And I can't, I can't run from that because it is such a pure goodness that exists within the community of people helping each other on a daily basis. I can go anywhere in the world and have an instant family. Mm-hmm. But I've also, I also truly believe that the men and the women who lead the organization are inspired and called um, just as a lot of us are called to do specific things, they were called specifically to lead. They're not perfect, but they they are the ones that um, have the responsibility. It might be you one day. It might be me one day. We don't know. We can't judge their their flaws and their imperfections, but the, the heart is in the right place, and I see so much goodness. I, I just can't leave it. But really, it comes down to... Um, I think the Book of Mormon is what I think the Book of Mormon is too powerful to um, neglect. Um, I don't think it replaces the Bible. I don't think the Bible replaces the Book of Mormon. I think they work together. And um, I can't discount. I can't discount what that is. And, and, you know, I, I, I believe Joseph, what he, what he said happened. Um, you know, when I was 14 years old, I had major open heart surgery. I don't remember anything. I don't remember my experience of having heart surgery, but I know it happened. And so I believe him. Um, but, but at the same time, even though I am still committed to that faith, I am committed to any faith that's trying to make the world better. So you'll see me, for example, in Utah, I did this concert with a bunch of musicians. This was a uh, suicide prevention concert, and most mm-hmm. everybody that was part of the music were all members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But we did this at the Rock Church. We did it at a non-denominational, pretty much an evangelist church mm-hmm. in Draper, Utah, um, out of principle. Yeah. Um, my new, like my Christmas album that, that's coming out, I have C.C. Winans on it. She's the most awarded gospel singer of all time. Wow. I have Audrey Assad, who's one of the most respected Catholics. And so I have all these diversities of people on this album about Christ because they believe in their hearts truly and sincerely. And I learned so much from them. Um, like the producer is Michael W. Smith. He's a mega Christian star. It's his... Um, musical director for the past 20 years and I've had these deep spiritual um, conversations and I'm like man if I could believe the way you believe yeah. and I'm not saying I don't but I'm saying that you can learn from that <laughs> yeah yeah I mean we're all on a path towards towards we're on a journey 
all of us. And some of us were placed in circumstances we don't like, and some of us were placed in circumstances we love. And it goes back for me to why did God create so many flowers? If there was only one way of life, he would have just made red roses. Wow. Okay. That is super cool. Even just think about that. I love the nature connection. I really feel that I understand things based if I'm out in nature for one, but even just learning about examples like that, that relate to science and laws and concrete things that is super cool to think about. So what I love about what we've chatted about today is how people can navigate their own growing pains and you know, that's not perhaps what we intended on starting this uh, this talk together about how we are going to help others navigate it. But I really feel like that's what we've gotten out of this conversation, that people need to find their own anchors of what really matters yeah. to them with their own faith. Um, and whether that be beliefs that they have within the faith, um, whether it seems for you that has been Jesus Christ has been the biggest anchor um, maybe it's scriptures, like you've been said, saying for yourself, the Book of Mormon is a big anchor for you. Um, whether it's the fruits of of the doctrine, fruits of the church, um, but finding your own anchors that you can hold on to that help you be able to grow in the other areas that are fuzzy or that are dark. Um, that's really what's coming out to me is that's what we need to hold on to or what are your own anchors and giving ourselves permission to make that list that you talked about. And yeah. And I think what it comes down to is there is light and darkness. There is good and evil. There is a serious battle over men's and women's hearts. Um, there are things that are trying to distract us and suffocate us. So we can't truly feel and we're told what to believe in every advertisement that hits every second. And so the only way to truly think and feel, you know, you're a lover of nature is to get out mm-hmm. and to move away from things that are distracting and really process your emotions. And, you know, Jesus did this so perfectly. Mm-hmm. It says he went away into the wilderness to be with his father, meaning he abandoned everybody. He left people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he got away from everyone to go be alone so that he could re so that he could really focus on what his ministry was going to be. And periodically we read about him getting in the boat and sailing away from the people says so he got away from the crowd. And I think that's good advice. Sometimes you just got to get away from the crowd to refocus so that we can get back into the crowd and be true to ourselves. I love that. And it might be different than maybe what has been deemed, you know, right. I mean, you're living a life a little bit differently than most people uh, do within your faith, but you're leading it based off of what is are these anchors in your life and what you've come to see is the right path for you. And I love that you are living what is 
is your destiny, you know? And I hope that's what we can give people permission to do is knowing that God can guide you through this. And I feel like that's where I've been guided too. So much of what's been hard for me is to just be able to accept that I'm a little different. I didn't like being different and that in my beliefs, even though I had that pull, but being able to accept that side to myself that perhaps I look a little different within my own, my own church has been really freeing and helped me see that that's actually a really powerful part of, of who I am now and what I can do now with it. And you have your own identity. You know who you are. Mm -hmm. And you're not this person or that person. You are, you know, Monica and you, you know, you define daily, um, into that role of who, of what you believe. And I don't think, I honestly don't think the only people that would be judging are people that are also going through similar, and they just don't want to admit it. Um, yeah. God's not judging. I mean, the most vile people were presented before him and he always, you know, like he stooped down on the ground and would write their sins and they would slowly see that, oh, that, that's my sin. And they would, they would flee. Um, and I think God wants us to be diverse. That's why he made us of different races and different cultures. And I think in the end, it's just, you know, for me, it goes back to what Joseph Smith really was just teaching was if there's anything good, you know, and he was quoting Paul, if there's anything good, seek after those things. Let's end on that, Paul, because I don't think we could say any better. <laughs> that's that's the plea. Thank you so, so much for being here, sharing your story and what you've learned from it. And I know this is going to help a lot of people. It definitely helped me. So thank you very much, Paul. You're welcome, Monica. Thank you. I hope this episode was really helpful for you. And if not, that's totally okay. I have, like I said, received an overwhelming number of positive messages saying how they related to what I said or how they learned from it or how it helped them relate to others they know in their lives. But I have had a few people who say this was hard for them because perhaps they did decide to leave their faith and they felt that was the right decision for them. Our intent in sharing this episode is, again, like I've said in my first disclaimer of my episode last week is to not further cast people in the category of apostate or to call people to repentance. The intent here is to share in a way that is helpful for those who would like to commit still or need that help and guidance in doing so. Regardless of where you are on the LDS spectrum, I love you and I am grateful to have you here. And if you are not LDS, I also love you and I'm grateful to have you here. Thank you to Paul Cardall for so willingly sharing his own story. And make sure you tune in to the next episode to follow with my husband, Brad Packer, who you've never gotten to hear from before. And I know you're going to love hearing from him. 
Again, after these last two episodes, we'll be moving back into our self-development podcast. Thank you for joining this journey. And if you are a new listener and have loved these episodes, I know you'll also love my episodes on self-development. We talk about how to work on yourself in a way that you are not also consumed by perfectionism. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave me a review on iTunes if this really touched you. I would love that. And make sure you can connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at About Progress. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember life is about progress, not perfection.